Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show that focuses on people and organizations making a difference in North Texas. I'm your host, Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan. Later on this hour, we're going to spend some time with Danny Noah of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. But right now, our very first guest is a mover and a shaker, and she's a longtime friend of mine, Veronica Torres-Hazley, the founder of the Hey Chica movement. In fact, in 2018, Veronica created Hey Chica Latina Leadership Movement, a lifestyle branding bringing Latina professional circles, leadership programming, partnerships, and content to life. Hey Chica bridges the gap between generational learning, cultural relevancies, and legacy building. The movement organizes summits, monthly gatherings, and collects and collectives to grow, educate, and mobilize Latina women and young girls. Hey Chica Movement also gathers brands to amplify culture and branding. And Veronica, you've been doing this for a couple of years now, but more importantly, you have been a mover and a shaker in the Dallas-Fort Worth community for a long time, the Latin community especially. Um, let's go back to some of these boards and councils you've been on. Uh, currently, you're on the Mayor's Grow South Advisory Council. The uh, uh, Dallas Women's Foundation, the Presents Mayor's Star Council Advisory Alumni, DISD School Health Advisory Council, uh, the Latino Center for Leadership Development Fellow, the North Texas Food Bank and Capital, Capital Campaign Committee, the Girls Inc. North Texas Champion for Girls Co-Chair Past Boards include Dallas Dress for Success, Lee Park and Arlington Hall Conservatory. I can go on and on and on. And, of course, you started with Visit, Visit Dallas serving in several capacities over there. Your legacy speaks for itself. You started out with Visit Dallas with the diversity and community relationships, which led to the digital social media and experience marketing. Her last, Your last role with Visit Dallas oversaw membership programs and customized corporate partnerships. I'm out of breath. I cannot believe all the things you have done over the last 15, 20 years. Oh, my God. Thank you for that warm, kind introduction. When, when you say it like that, I'm like, oh, my God, what else was I? How did I even have a personal life? <laughs> That's what I'm wondering. I don't know how you found your husband. Maybe it was, you guys work out all the time. You are still in tip-top shape. In fact, you look like you're 29 years old. Oh, thank you. Well, oh you do. God, you look like Paul Abdul. <laughs> that is so funny. I get Paula Abdul. I get like Jennifer Lopez. I'm like, are these the only Latina or women y'all see that I'm like, it's so, 
it's so many things that I get. It's the people actually chase me down and said, you look like Paula Abdul. I'm like, that is so weird. But <laughs> it is the ultimate compliment. I'm telling you. So I, I don't even know where to be. Let's start with Hey Chica movement. How did you conceive this idea? Because obviously it was needed because it has taken off so well. Absolutely. Thank you for asking. I, you know what, a lot of this stuff that you're talking about, the things that I've been doing were coming out of just me noticing that there's not organizations or associations or groups in place um, that represent Latinas. Mm -hmm. And there has not been, and I can't even tell you how that sounds crazy saying that out loud, but even when I started Visit Dallas, like Dallas has always been so segregated, so separated. And even after, what, 16 years, I realized, like, I was going to a lot of leadership programs. I was actually attending some outside of the Texas state. And none of it was for women like me, you know. And a lot of ways, I felt like we were not getting poured into. As a Latina professional in a career that I was, you know, thriving in, I didn't have leadership training available to me outside of, um, like, basic industry stuff. Yeah, corporate stuff. Yeah, like, okay, cookie cutter, vanilla, I'm going to this leadership class. Mm -hmm. And not that those weren't good. They were great classes, but they didn't talk about cultural, you know, relevance, or they didn't have conversations about, you know, supporting one another or how women can get behind each other or just also preserving culture, right? Because Latinos are, they come, you know, we come in so many different ethnicities, right? You, you know, right. you're Mexican or Puerto Rican or Dominican. And so there's already a lot of division or separations that come with that. So, hey, Chica was like, hey, let's bring us all in. Let's talk about supporting one another. Let's pour into each other, but let's build a pathway for people to fall into leadership. And that's kind of how it came out. I just, honestly, I had kids. I went back to work, and I noticed that everyone was doing the same thing, and I had sort of my own awakening. And I thought, nope, I don't want to do the same thing. I want to really pour into my community and, more importantly, to Latinas. Mm -hmm. And that's what Hey Chica kind of was birthed out of that. And it's, hey, girl, that's what Hey Chica means. Hey, girl, but, you know a chica, let me put you in the game, kind of, that was kind of how the name came about, too. We're talking with Veronica uh, Torres-Hesley, and Veronica, you came up with this idea, but I'm sure it, be, it, it came out because you were in so many different conferences, so many different corporate boardrooms, and maybe you saw somebody who was Latina, and you said, wait a minute, we've got to talk, or maybe you were talking, and you said, there's this opportunity where everybody needs to get together a little bit more. Yes. And, and then people were asking me like, hey, we need a Latino on our board. Do you know anybody? Or, you know, I was always mm -hmm. getting tapped to connect corporate America to community. Right. Right. So there was not an organization that I knew of that was actually connecting corporate mission initiatives to civic engagement. But with intention, right? Okay, someone can go and get involved with the food bank or someone can go get involved with Girls Inc. But they were seeking out representation and leadership with Latinos because a lot of some of the corporates really understood that that's the fastest growing market, right? Especially mm -hmm. in Texas. And why aren't we engaging Latinos at the table in a corporate 
setting or on a board or in a leadership role. And that's where they were already asking me if I knew anyone. So, hey, Chica only made it sweeter because now I can equip Latinas to, to lead, but also put them in the game by recommending them for these opportunities that are coming to, to us. You're originally from Austin, right? Yes. And then you moved up here after you graduated from college. You moved up here. Were you always ambitious like that? How did you get into the corporate world, and how did you first start out working in your career? Because, you know, a lot of people wonder, how do I begin, especially a lot of uh, Gen Z, the, you know, the, the kids today. They're right. like, how, how do I fit in, and how do I get started? Because it's like a gig economy nowadays. Right. So um, I was raised by entrepreneur grandparents. Okay. Like my parent, my grandparents had their own business. My grandfather did not know how to read or write, but he would sign the back of the checks and give them to my grandmother to do payroll. So I was already sort of raised in an entrepreneur, you know, family, but my parents were not. They were sort of, you know, my dad was like a Chicano, which is another sort of assimilated, you mm-hmm. know, is another story, right? So my dad was very new age, um, new age American where he comes from, you know, culture, but he was very much involved in like pop culture and stuff. So he taught me a lot about the streets and how to like get along with, you know, he's the reason why, you know, I started working with black um, families before because my father exposed us to the collaborating with black families and communities wherever we lived because mm-hmm. we lived in like poor neighborhoods and they were predominantly black and Hispanics. So my dad had friends and taught us about black and brown, you know, um, coming together even then when I was sure. little. So, yeah, so it was already instilled in me from my grandparents and my parents. And then coming to Dallas, I already knew kind of how to work the community. You know, I knew that I had to go and introduce myself mm-hmm. and I was open to conversations with people of color that did not look like me. And I just started helping. And that's kind of, that's a cultural thing too. Latinos are really big on helping the community and supporting one another. Like our parents live with us and we, it's a big family dynamic, you know? So Mm -hmm. when I moved to Dallas, I didn't have any family. No one, none of my family lived here. So I had to start going making friends, right? Like building, you know, building these relationships that I could support and also that could support me since I didn't have family in Dallas. You know, America's the great melting pot. And again, there's so many people that want to climb the ladder and, and, and make a name for themselves and do the things they need to do. Can you talk about getting into the corporate world? Because, again, that's what a lot of people want to figure out how to navigate. Right. So I really started getting involved in Dallas and, like, the corporate community by early on. Like, I when I came to Dallas out of college, I started networking. I started volunteering in different community circles. And, you know, Dallas is all about who you know. There's usually, like, if you know the right people, you you get kind of elevated to the top of the conversation. But if you don't, you know, that's harder. But you almost have to make your own name and your own brand for yourself and find out what's your lane. I would attend, you know, 10 to 11 networking events a week, and I would take my business cards and I would, you know, collaborate with like the gay chamber, the Hispanic chamber, the black chamber and like local, you know, organizations, a coalition of event planners. And I would just go to all these networking events, take my card, introduce myself, volunteer for things they were doing. And, you know, did that for imagine 15, 16 years, your Rolodex is pretty thick and Mm -hmm. your network builds like that. So 
now I became the person they come to instead of me having to go to. And I love connecting people. And I, I think I went in there more like, how can I help you, not how I, what I can get out of it. And in Dallas, when you extend yourself to connect people, that just becomes an easy place to, to be called upon to serve or to lead. How many times were you told no or that you can't do this or you're not the right type? And how did you overcome that? You know, that's so funny. No one's ever asked me that. But I, I've i been really lucky and blessed to uh, be around people that want to hear about creation and ideas. Mm-hmm. Even the boards that I were on, they a lot of them, like, we want to get with the young professionals. So we're starting all these young boards. I rarely ever had sort of an, a wall or a no, right, or a door closed in my face. I think it's all on your approach, too, Chris. You know, even when I met you, you know, when you're, like, out there and you're really authentic and people really see your intention is about helping and you sort of, I'm a salesperson by heart, so I'm selling, like, hey, let's all do this together, and I champion that. People like that energy. People want to be around that. They want to embrace that opportunity, I think one time I can vividly remember the only no is in Dallas too. Early on, there was a big separation between old guard and new guard. So a lot of the no's that I may have received were just people that they were just afraid that young people were trying to take over systems. You know, uh, so yeah. I did have some no's there. Like just people are just afraid of the unknown. And when an old establishment that's been around for fifty, sixty years see these young people coming in back then. They were like, nope, sit down, hold on, you know. Slow down, slow your roll. Yeah. (laughs) You're doing too much. You're trying to take the chamber away or you're trying to take this away. Mm -hmm. And it's just a comfort level of really collaborating and conversation with them and like, hey, I'm not trying to take it over, but we want to make sure that it's growing and developing, you know, systems for resilience and legacy. So, but I think people are open now for, you know, people are more open to collaborating, you know, because they have to. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, they do. The world is changing rapidly. Um, before you started Hey Chica in 2018, what do you think was, what would you say was probably your favorite or most successful project? Something that you may be most proud of, that you you had something to do with? Um, I think I have a few, you know. Go right um, ahead. Starting, <laughs> starting the, the, the Greater Dallas Hispanic Chambers, which one of the largest Hispanic chambers, um, we started their first ever young Latino professional group. Mm -hmm. And I brought that idea to them. They let me do it. We actually put that together and it was very successful and it really um, raised the profile for the chamber and then connected young Latinos into leadership roles. So that was one that I was really excited about. Also the Latino center for leadership development, which this is, amazing philanthropist. His name is Jorge Baldor, who's huge in Dallas and has um, always been a supporter, um, started this organization. I was able to be a part of that. And it was for putting Latinos in leadership programming that actually helps them run for office. Mm -hmm. So I really believe that you know, we need to get more people in elected and, you know, serving in, in roles that serve the community. So I was really proud of that program because it really amplified the voices for Latinos who wanted to run for office or school board or city council. 
and it gave us power, right? Because now we were really developing leadership, putting them out there. And a lot of the people ran for office and a lot of people are still in city council now that were part of that program. So when you see the sustainability and the results of that, that really fills my heart, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that was some, there's so many cause I was able to join in early on, but those are just the few, even the girls Inc. my time with them, I was, my husband, Ade and I championed a program for their girl champion. And we built playgrounds for, for young girls. They didn't have playgrounds to play on. And you're like, these are just basic things, you know, that you would think any child had access to. So we were able to build um, play a playground for them. So that was another proud thing to see. Very nice. We're talking to Veronica Torres Hazley and Veronica, you mentioned your husband. Let's go ahead and, and give him some props to you and I do have been very, very fit for a while. The health and wellness programs you guys have been working on, and as well as, do you still have that yoga studio in the farmer's market? Yes. Was it V12? Yes, V12 Yoga, which will be celebrating seven years of business in July. Congratulations. Thank you. And I thank you for bringing that up because that's another huge undertaking, right, on top of, Having kids, we have a four and a six-year-old. Ade and I had started our yoga studio and then had kids and then COVID, right? Because a lot of places, gyms and studios are closing because of oh, yeah. coronavirus. But we were able to to hang on. I swear, like during that time, we pivoted and we put a lot of our fitness videos and meditation and workouts online and we developed a, a digital studio with mm-hmm. V12. And so we've been, you know, it's always been a passion. I think it connects us. Um, health and wellness has always been a passion of my husband's even before he and I got married and, and um, started dating. But it's now even bigger because it's affecting, especially with COVID, mental health and mm-hmm. wellness is affecting black and brown communities even more. So it it amplifies my urgency to to continue self-care and leadership for people of color. And for me, I focus predominantly on Latinas because I have two little girls. I have three daughters and myself, and, I, and it, it's my natural instinct to make sure that I'm setting up a system for my future. And I think because it's important too that my kids are biracial, that they understand that the that black and brown people have the same struggles and we need to come together and try to really build a community of sustainability around self-care and, and leadership. You mentioned so, the, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, you mentioned the uh, mental wellness uh, factor. And like I said, you guys are always fit or a fit couple, but this yoga studio caught my attention years ago because literally my sister is huge into yoga, and she's always told me it's a stress release releaser, and it's also good for your body and your stretching. and And I, I was always paying attention to it from afar. Can you is, can you talk how long you've been doing this? Because you've got so many irons in the fire. I know that has helped you out as you juggle your lifestyle. Yeah, and and which is crazy, right? So I actually. Um, had a stroke when I was 30 years old Oh wow! and didn't know that I was going hundred miles an hour, peak of my career, drinking every night, going out, traveling, you know, just mm-hmm. really tearing up my body. And I had a stroke and one of my friends, you know, I knew that I didn't want to get on a pill because I come from 
a family of addictions. And she's like, why don't you try this yoga thing? It's holistic. I heard it helps stress or whatever. So we kind of just casually went to take a yoga class. And I just from that one time, I felt different. And I felt like I needed this. And then I just kept going. And then I got a monthly membership. And then I said, oh, my God, I think I want to teach this because nobody looked like me. It was really all white women, Mm -hmm. young kids or Mm -hmm. whatever, like SMU college kids from the studio I was going to. And so I did the certification. I got my certification. Like, I want to teach. And then I thought, oh, no, I want to own my own studio. I want to have my own music. I want to listen to Sade with, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I want it to be more culture, and I want to invite people of color. So that's kind of how we started the studio. But then I started teaching meditation because it has saved my life. So my husband and I had twins, um, but we lost our son, um, and it was another life-changing moment. Yoga saved my life because I knew during that time we were going through that, that I knew how to breathe and use my breath to calm my body down and my heart. And it really is for stress. And it's mentally, it's a mental health therapy tool that people can use for anxiety. I mean, depression, high blood pressure. So I knew that. So I practiced my own skills to help me navigate my own personal life and my own, you know, I had postpartum depression. So I was dealing with all that. But if I didn't have yoga, I would not have known how to take care of myself and how to use my breath to help me navigate and prevent myself probably from having a heart attack or another stroke, you know. You know, you sound just like my sister Denise. I'm just grinning while you're telling this story because she feels <laughs> exactly the same way about her yoga. She's got to get it in all the time. Uh And I I can tell you're so passionate about health and wellness and young professionals getting their leadership on. Let's let's before we get back to Hey Chica. When you were working with Visit Dallas and you worked in several different capacities with them, with the diversity and community relations, uh, the digital social media and experience marketing and the uh, director of partner experience. What do you think was the most fulfilling thing you did with them and how many doors that had opened for you? And how were you able to take advantage of some of those contexts? Because, again, I think you're just an absolutely amazing person. Oh, thank you, Chris. And I really thank you for that. And I want to say, honestly, every role that I've had, I probably was the only person that kind of had done so many departments, right, and get mm-hmm. promoted and do something else. But I think the most fulfilling role was the diversity and inclusion, because this was before diversity and inclusion was even a popular right, thing. Right. Right. right? So this now was every corporation is trying to do it. Right. So this was, and I was only like 24 years old and I had an opportunity to really take hold of a, something new. And it was cool for Dallas. Nobody, we didn't have it before. So I, with that opportunity, I love, I love, I thrive when I'm starting. So I'm like probably a startup serial entrepreneur, right? But I love getting on projects as a startup, setting them up and then bouncing. That's, well, for this thing, it also, I, you know, took it on and I went into the community and I met so many incredible people, like the chambers, like their presidents, mm-hmm. and I was sitting on an international board and I was flying all over the world to talk about diversity. I mean, my board meetings would be in Paris or Belgium and they would fly us there to have a conversation about diversity. This was back in 2005 and six, like when it, I'm telling you, before it was even a thing. 
so in that same respect, I was able to meet corporations that were taking it on then. American Airlines had a huge initiative, and I've met so many amazing people. And even you and I, we have a, our mutual friend, yeah. Nanette Lee. I met her through yeah. traveling and, you know, getting her to speak and be a part of conventions that we were bringing in and mm-hmm. having, you know, her there. So, And I met you the same way. So I met all of the major players in Dallas, corporate CEOs. I met, you know, philanthropists. And so I was I was very much in the in the know, just like you in your sports. Like you get in there and you really start meeting people of influence and just kind of catapults you, right? But the most important thing that it did for me, it allowed me to bring others with me. So I was introducing other people and not myself. So the, for me, the the amazing, the best part of that that I felt that I got out of that was I was able to turn around and bring people with me. So Super Bowl comes to Dallas, NBA All-Star. We were bidding all that from Visit Dallas and our sports commission. Mm-hmm. But guess what? We got to go to it. We got to go to the events. And so I was taking all of my friends, and I was introducing people that I knew. So I felt like I was basically taking everybody with me. And the introduction to those opportunities for small businesses that were my friends, I was putting them in the game. So. You know, Veronica, you really are a great connector. Veronica Torres-Hazley joining us here on Better Living. And let's bring it back up. Hey, Chica, the Latina leadership movement. You, you, you had this brainstorm, and you created this organization, and you guys give away Latina scholarships. In fact, uh, honored by Ad Week for a Rising Star Brand Award not too long ago. Um, it's, been, it's been all positive, or has there been some stumbles along the way? Because startups are always difficult. Right. So it took off, obviously, because there was nothing like it. I think it took off because uh, Latinas wanted something like this. So they were attracted to, but even the content, SMU was hosting it for us. And we sold out our first convention summit, 300 women, and the next year, the same thing. So you could tell that even organizations like SMU or the George Bush Museum, they know the importance of working with Latinos. So they've worked courting us. So we, a lot of companies are like, oh, we need to be in the Latino consumer market. So they're coming to us and saying, how do we, you know, speak to the consumers and how do we speak to your market? But I did, I want to share two things. We really got on a national level when CBS News came to my house and they interviewed us because we got, behind the election and we i ran a a whole latina voter campaign nonpartisan, just saying hey you know i heard on the news that latinos don't vote and i was insulted by that and so i went out there and i'm like i'm gonna get my people to vote and hey chica got national visibility on our story on grassroots getting latinas to go vote you know and to to show up at the polls Mm -hmm and to start to engage in their community and, and have their voice be heard. Um, the pushback that I get now is, you know, from my white friends, you know, they're like, I don't feel included in that. And, you know, having the conversation just because it says, hey, Chica, right? <laughs> does it mean you can't attend? That, that just means that, that we are focused intentionally on culture. And if you want to learn about our culture, then you're invited. But yeah. at the same time, I'm not going to change the name so everyone else feels comfortable with it, you know? Mm-hmm, exactly. It's like if you if you go to a, a certain kind of restaurant, you're not going to – you expect a certain right. kind of menu. You're not going to change the menu 
Because it's like, okay, this is what we're all about. Right. And that's what makes it authentic, right? Exactly. So you, there, a lot of people get uncomfortable. Even we have like seven girls that, that are sort of my advisory founding partners. And they're like, Veronica, my friends are telling me, you know, why are you doing this? And they're white. You know, they're my friends that are white. They want to know. They want to be a part of it. And I was like, this is the uncomfortable conversation. That's exactly. a great conversation that says, this is what it is. And this is why, because we're still having the conversation of why, you know what I mean? So yeah. it helps. And, it's, it's, and it means that there's more work to do. Yeah. It's the courageous conversation that everybody needs to have. Cause that's how you learn more about each other. And guess what? You find out that you got a lot of things in common, more things in common right. than you have not in common. And that's why I'm glad you created this organization. Absolutely. And at the same time, it's unapologetic, right? Like I still have to say there's issues that Latinas have to deal with, and Mm -hmm. this is the space that we can do it in, and it has to be done. So I'm not going to pivot or change that because you're always going to have people that are not going to like what you're doing, right? Someone's always Mm going to disagree with you. Someone's always going to sit on the sideline and comment. But at the same time, it's the people that are doing the work right? You're in the arena, you're in mm-hmm. the fight. That, so that's why I have a right to say something because I'm actually doing something instead of just, fire, you know, on the other end. <laughs> exactly. No, you, you, you got it down pat. In fact, you're talking about authentic and authenticity. I cannot go another further step further unless you say some of these things in Spanish because we have a, a lot of bilingual listeners. And can you say what you just told me, not the whole half hour, but what you kind of want people to know about Hey Chica in Spanish. Well, sí. Uh, lo que quiero de Hey Chica es que las mujeres conocen un, um, una comunidad de mujeres que las soporten en sus empresarios. Si eres una mamá sola, nosotros tenemos programas que podemos ayudar a la gente a... Um, más poder hacer lo que quieren hacer en su vida. Si quieres hacer un mamá, pero quieres hacer algo con muchas otras mujeres que hablan el mismo idioma de ti o que quieren cuidar la vida sana o nomás apoyar las mujeres en los o donde trabajan. Nosotros queremos ser eso, eso, un equipo para los mujeres que quieren saber más, hacer más y estar juntas. That's what Hey Chica is about. Very nice, very nice. Before I let you go, in English, for everyone else who would like to be a part of Hey Chica, the Hey Chica Leadership Movement, the Hey Chica Latina Leadership Movement, is there a website? Is there a place where they can find more information? Yes, thank you. So our original website, HeyChicaSummit.com, is how we started, but we just now are filed our nonprofit status. So now, Hey Chica, yeah, so all this is happening as we speak. So it's going to be available in the future on HeyChica.org. But also um, the Facebook Hey Chica Movement, the Instagram Hey Chica Movement has all of our events. Mm-hmm. Right now we're doing virtual sessions for high school Latinas that want to learn about social justice, leadership, college prep, um, self-care. So we're doing virtual um, summits that are free for the community, and they're on our YouTube at Hey Chica Movement. And then we're doing uh, monthly networkers and book clubs right now for women who, you know, are still doing everything virtually. And all of that is on our Hey Chica Movement Facebook page. Again, you can get involved. You can get plugged in. Um, and our hope is to meet 
in person this year back to how we were doing it, but probably yes. some hybrid models where we're still doing some virtual stuff too. Very nice. Veronica, we've got to do it again. Absolutely. Thank you, Chris. Most definitely. That is Veronica Torres-Hazley. She is the founder and the creator of the Hey Chica Latina Leadership Movement right here in Dallas. Thank you, Veronica. We'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks. Take care. Now, before we bring on our next guest, Danny Noah from the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, got to tell you a quick story about the Dallas Cowboys and Tom Landry. Because every time I think of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, I always think about Tom Landry. I remember back in the day when I was growing up as a little kid, they'd always talk about Tom Landry, Tex Schramm, Gil Brandt, and then the Dallas Cowboys being America's team, and then they were playing at Texas Stadium, and somebody would always say, why is there a hole in the roof at Texas Stadium? So God can look down on the Cowboys. And I was like, wow, really? Now, this is Sunday morning and everything, but I'm like, okay, Tom Landry. And everybody knew Tom was a big Christian. And I once I started covering the Cowboys for, you know, back in the day, I got to meet Tom Landry, and this man walked the walk. I'll never forget it. He walked the walk. He was always very, very humble and uh, very, very ventral and very, you know, a man of faith. And I remember hearing about, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and how he was like one of the big leaders of it. And I was very, very curious about it. And over time, I found out a great deal about the core values of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. The relationships will demonstrate steadfast commitment to Jesus Christ, his word through integrity, serving, teamwork, and excellence. And I was like, man, that's Tom Landry. And the relationships are going to do those things and strategically pursue the vision and mission through the strategy of and to and through the coaches. And I was like, wow, that is Tom Landry. And it was like, okay, they like to to lead through coaching and they like to reach the athletes through the coaches and grow in their relationship and their faith with their church. And I was like, this is so Tom Landry. So basically every time I think of the fellowship of Christian athletes, I always think about Tom Landry. And joining us right now is a longtime friend of mine. He is the South Dallas representative of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Mr. Danny Noah. Danny, how you doing, buddy? Man, I'm doing fantastic, Chris. You doing all right as well? Doing just fine. I appreciate the time and you joining us. And there's so many people who are listening right now on a Sunday morning, and they're like, I've heard of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, but I don't know all that much about it. Let me say this, Danny. Whenever I first came to Texas, way back in 1980, every time I heard Fellowship of Christian Athletes, all I could think of was Tom Landry. Yeah, Coach <laughs> Landry had the, the vision uh, for FCA in Dallas. I mean, he literally was the one who got the ball rolling and just had that passion to combine faith and, and, and sport and just use that as an opportunity and a platform uh, for coaches and athletes to be encouraged in their faith and to live it out uh, through the influence that they have on the community and beyond. And you know what? It's been around for a long time. Can you tell everybody a little bit about the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and what the organization's about and, and uh, how long it's been around? I will do that, man. Back in 1954, uh, a young basketball coach by the name of Don McLennan uh, came to this point in his life. He said, you know, if an, an athlete and a coach 
can promote uh, alcohol and cigarettes, then surely he could promote uh, the cause of Jesus Christ and use that platform uh, in a totally different way. And uh, this young coach did not realize it in 1954, a simple idea, a simple vision uh, to use his platform would turn into something that uh, is now over 65 years uh, in the making. Uh, if you say, what does it look like? What is it in a nutshell? What's the vision of FCA to use the influence of sports uh, to impact coaches and athletes uh, and allow them to live out their faith, as I've already said a couple of times, in Jesus Christ. And so, uh, man, FCA is active not just nationally, but internationally. Uh, one, we focus on coaches. Coaches are the most influential uh, people in society today. A coach in a 20-year coaching career will impact 15,000 lives. Billy Graham said that in a, a one-year time period that a coach impacts more people than most of us will our entire lives. And mm -hmm. so that coach uh, is the one who's pouring into kids. They're the fathers. They're the mothers uh, who are serving student-athletes, taking them home, uh, feeding a lot of them, giving more uh, of themselves than they probably should, but very committed uh, as coaches. And, Chris, I believe coaches aren't just – taking the job. They are called to do what they do. They are, uh, I would say they're the youth pastors. They're the true youth pastors mm -hmm. uh, serving these young men and young ladies uh, through the vehicle of sport. Uh, they spend more time with them than pastors, than their parents do, and so therefore that influence uh, is great. So that's given us a platform to utilize that influence of a coach to uh, start what we call FCA huddles, uh, we have uh, a huddle that where students come and gather, give students to use their leadership skills uh, to model their faith. Uh, we do something with all sports, but then we also have what we call team huddles. Mm -hmm. And we utilize someone from the community that we call a character coach, a local pastor, youth pastor, and they come and target uh, four areas, which is integrity, serving, teamwork, and excellence. And Chris, I will tell you right there, that is some of the most influential ministry and impact that we're seeing specifically uh, in South Dallas, where there's just an openness to what we're doing, uh, probably more than any area in the Metroplex. That is impressive. And I'm, I'm trying to wrap my mind around the age groups of some of the kids that you're talking to. Sure. Uh, you know, for years, we've targeted uh, specifically middle school and high school students uh, on, on the local campus. We also uh, have a huge focus on the college campus. But beyond uh, interscholastic sports, we've branched out into youth sports, community sports, and club sports. Uh, Chris, there's over 48 million student athletes involved in sports in the United States, and only 8 million are on campus. Mm -hmm. So that, that is an even uh, larger, uh, man, uh, opportunity for us to impact uh, those students, those, those coaches, and even families. Uh, you know, a lot of them aren't even on church on Sunday, so whatever FCA mm -hmm. ministry is taking place on Sunday uh, is the ministry that they're getting. And so their church is on the field. Their church is on the court. And we're using that as an opportunity to springboard that in, into ministering to these families and students and coaches. You know, you mentioned that. I was My mind started whirling. I was like, wow, you got all these select sports. You got just baseball and basketball and, you know, uh, AAU. You've got, you got football with the peewee football leagues, and you got all these different things, like you said, that are not necessarily associated with middle schools, high schools, and colleges. You know, it, and it's a neat dynamic. You know, in baseball, we hear of the farm system. And right. we really see 
youth sports as the farm system for FCA. We want to implement our, our, our programs when they're young. By the time they get into middle school, they see it as an opportunity for to, to lead. They get into high school. Uh, they become even greater leaders. They go to college, and they begin to realize the even greater impact that they have. And, Chris, when they graduate from college, man, that's who we're recruiting for staff because it's in their blood. It's in their mm-hmm. DNA. So it just makes sense uh, to recruit from that arena. Uh, we also pursue coaches that may, you know, may want to make a totally different impact. And many, some of them leave coaching. Some of them, when they retire, they joined uh, our FC, FCA staff. In fact, here in the Metroplex, we have uh, three retired coaches that serve on our staff uh, throughout the, the area of Dallas. That is fantastic. We're talking with Danny Noah. He's over the South Dallas area for the Fellowship of, uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And I was thinking about some of the biggest names in sports who are involved with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And another name I thought of locally here is our buddy Tim Brown, the former high school trophy winner, the Hall of Famer from the uh, from the Raiders, and, of course, Notre Dame. Tim's been active with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, hasn't he? Yeah, Tim, Tim one, uh, has been a real uh, asset to us, particularly in Dallas. He, you know, he's a Dallas ISD graduate from Woodwell Wilson. But, man, he has partnered with us on numerous events, lent his name uh, to help us uh, cast vision for what we do. He's helped us with our football camps, our basketball camps that we have put together specifically for Dallas ISD students uh, through uh, our, our annual event, the Hall of Fame Breakfast, that, uh, Chris, you were going to be a part of, but we didn't get to do that last year because of COVID. Yeah. Uh, that's been a significant uh, event where we raise funds to support what we're doing and uh, in the South Dallas area. So Tim has been, man, just a champion, uh, not only for South Dallas, but he serves as our host uh, every year for our Tom Landry Open, which will be taking place on Monday. You know what? Yeah, that's tomorrow. So you've got all these different um, celebrities and charity guys and, and corporate people. They all participate. Can you tell us a little bit about the tournament tomorrow? So uh, for years, and this is, man, again, something Coach Landry started and, uh, man, he really pulled together a lot of the former uh, and current players to come be a part of that. In fact, we still have uh, – I've seen Preston Pearson come out for that. Mm-hmm. Bob Lilly's been a part of that. And uh, Robert Newhouse. Uh, man, just a lot of guys. Billy Joe. Light. Billy Joe Dupree. Billy Joe, Billy Joe is there every year. Every yeah. Year. You know, I always kid Billy Joe. I said, Billy Joe, you could do radio work because you sound just like Morgan Freeman. His voice is just like Morgan Freeman. <laughs> and and Billy, Billy, Billy Joe is just as cool as Morgan Freeman. Yes, too, he man. is. I mean, he just got, you see him walking up the course, just strutting. A good dude, <laughs> uh, man, just a, a great heart, great spirit. Hadn't changed a bit. Um, you know, he may have a couple of plays in him, Chris, still yeah. left in there. We put him out there. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, man, that tournament is the third largest charity tournament in the Metroplex. Uh, of course, the Byron Nelson uh, is, is one. I'm not, I'm not sure of the second one. But, man, this, is, this has been a significant tournament for close to 40 years. Mm-hmm. And the funds raised for that help us grow, uh, grow our ministry, grow our impact. And, Chris, we've, even in the midst of COVID, we have doubled our staff in the last year. Wow. Uh, which has just been a great testament to – uh, those who believe in what we do, who partner with us, uh, you know, either corporately or local church individuals, we just absolutely could not do uh, 
what we do without uh, church buy-in, without uh, those who are, you know, FCA alumni. We, they want to give back. You know, mm-hmm. They were sent to a camp where Coach Landry was the speaker. And now they're uh, in influential positions. Uh, I, Chris, I've been doing this so long. Some of the kids that I work with years ago are now some of the coaches that I serve. And wow. So, uh, that's neat to see, but, man, uh, it helps me understand why i got a few gray hairs in my head now. Now, you mentioned you've been with them for a long time. Can you talk about how you first got involved with them? And if you don't mind, you can tell everybody how many years it's been. Okay. Well, back, back uh, in my years at Skyline High School, um, I, I first got involved, uh, Chris, I, I graduated with school with Dante Jones, mm-hmm. uh, and went to the U played uh, for the bears. Uh, that's, that's when I got exposed to FCA. Uh, when I graduated, uh, I went to college, went to Bible college out in Waxahachie, came, uh, and, and took a position uh, in the Oak Cliff area as a, as a student pastor. And man, I just recognized real quick that my greatest opportunity was to get out of my office and get on the campus. Uh, of a local high school. And I got connected with Kimball High School, Kimball Knights, mm-hmm. and man, just began to partner with uh, Coach James Jones, yep. a historic coach. The field is named after him right next Bishop to Bishop College. I remember the great, ja- yep. the late great James Jones. Yes, sir. Great man. Um, man, opened the door for me to come. We had a conversation uh, about an athlete that uh, was on my basketball team. A uh, group of young men all live right there at Keystone Polk, all D1 prospects uh, in their various sports. But this young man was the only one who did not get recruited, did not get offered an athletic scholarship. And, Chris, he attempted suicide. Oh, no. And, um, man, thank goodness he was unsuccessful. But that created a conversation between Coach Jones and I, and we just recognized that these kids that we're working with, our kids, uh, have one plan. Uh, they want to get an athletic scholarship go to college and play, and play in the pros. And, Chris, they don't have a plan B. And so we began to, to think about how we use the influence of the community mm-hmm. and the coaches to give them hope uh, beyond what they're doing on the football field, on the basketball court, but to use what they've learned to be successful in life, uh, successful husbands, wives, fathers, and mothers. And so that was what really gave me the opportunity to really start doing FCA before I really came on staff. Uh, and after 15 years of, of serving there at Kimball High School, working with uh, man, working with Snoop with the basketball team, oh yeah, uh, all these guys that have been around for a while, uh, man, FCA came came knocking on the door, and, and they just recognized that um, man, after 50, 20 years, 15 to 20 years uh, in the Metroplex, that it just made sense, and so we we jumped on the team, and that was 15 years ago, and uh, man, I serve you know, just the schools. Uh, Oak Cliff High School, so Kimball Carter Sock, Roosevelt, Adamson, Sunset. Uh, man, all of those right there uh, are where we invest uh, my to where I invest my time in those coaches and athletes. And so, man, it's been a 30-year 30 30-year 30 journey, Chris. And, uh, again, like I said, man, you know, some of the kids that uh, played for Kimball uh, are my coaches at South Oak Cliff. Some of them are back at Kimball. Uh, they're just all over. Uh, Lancaster, I mean, all over the area now coaching. So it's great to see them uh, in place and just giving back uh, for, you know, man, there's been investment in their lives, and so now they're giving back, and it's just great to see, great to be a part of it. Here on Better Living, we're talking with the great Danny Noah of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And, Danny, you mentioned a little bit earlier, last year when the pandemic hit, a lot of things changed. In fact, we had to change the banquet that I was going to speak at and host, and you also had to change up a few other things. Can you talk about how that has impact 
on what you personally had to do and what FCA had to do because I know that's more of a hands-on kind of thing working with these kids. Yeah. You know, Chris, we're used to uh, watching teams make halftime adjustments, Uh, but we were making halftime adjustments every day as well as our coaches. Uh, And so actually back in the spring, uh, some coaches reached out and said, Danny, we need something. I mean, we're struggling. We're hurting. Um, We got kids that, uh, man, they're, they're not able to function from a virtual perspective. You know, their parents are recognizing that, hey, they can help with, with the rent, so we're going to let them work a job instead of doing school. We had kids that their escape was coming and being a part of their team, and many of them living in abusive situations, and so now they did not have that escape. And so we're having to get creative, uh, making adjustments. And so we begin to do some things online through Zoom. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank the Lord for Zoom, uh, doing some Friday uh, we call them the Coach Up, Coach Up Bible Studies, the mm-hmm. FDA, uh, come alongside them. And the coaches just, man, ate it up. When school started back in the fall, uh, we, again, had to be creative. And uh, we did have access to the coaches. Uh, in fact, our access to coaches was really all we had. We didn't really have access to the students. But, Chris, I'm going to tell you, man, in my 15 years on staff with FCA, I don't think we've ever gone uh, as deep uh, relationally with our coaches as we have this year. And so in some ways, I don't want to say thank God for COVID, but in spite of COVID, uh, man, the ministry uh, just continues. It's given us opportunities to do some uh, various ministry, you know, getting the guy coaches off campus, doing lunch, um, where they wouldn't have been able to do that if school was functioning, mm-hmm. functioning as it has uh, in the past. So, Chris, I, I would say we haven't, uh, we haven't stopped dancing. We just changed partners. There you uh, go. Um, but it, it's just been uh, a great opportunity for us to walk with coaches. Uh, we've actually started some things where we've had to bring in uh, counselors with some of our ladies to coach them through life. They're still trying to be moms, and uh, they're still trying to be wives. And you know, the, a lot of a lot of things have happened this year. You know, I've had to coach uh, one of our coaches over in the Pleasant Grove area. Uh, one of her students, uh, man, committed suicide, and so. You know, these are the these are the kids that they're working with, and to have to walk in and do something as simple as call row mm-hmm. after the death of one of your students. Uh, you know, somebody's got to walk with them, and so the coaches are coaching. But we always say, who's coaching the coaches? And that's where FCA uh, comes in to coach them uh, spiritually, coach them professionally, coach them personally. And uh, we we just thank the Lord that we have that open door, no matter what the situation, no matter the dynamic, COVID, no COVID. Uh, FCA is going to be here for the long the long run. You know what, Danny? We're so grateful for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes again because it's a steadying force and it it helps so many people, especially in times of stress like the pandemic was. Um, you, you mentioned it's all over the world now. Can you talk about some of the places you want? I didn't even know we could be there, but we're at this location, or even some of the college campuses in the United States. It's like wow, they're everywhere. Yeah, uh, I tell you, even locally. Uh, the ministry we have at TCU is mm-hmm. probably one of the most thriving uh, ministries. Uh, man, what, our guy there that leads the ministry, Chauncey Franks, uh, man, was played football but we're back for Midwestern State when the Cowboys Wichita were Falls. Uh, practicing, practicing out there. And yeah. he is just killing it. His team, I mean, every team is uh, being served by FCA. Uh, man, the coaches, just some incredible things, man. They're seeing marriages. Uh, man, come back together. There, it's just on, on the college level, Chris. 
I can't even put it into words because it's it's a different dynamic um, than on the middle school or the mm-hmm. high school. Uh, but the dynamic that exists there is really uh, the college students take the lead. Uh, they run uh, the ministry, the huddles. Uh, they're the ones that are recruiting uh, those college athletes to come and get away and come to what we call a college advance. And, Chris, that really, again, that is our farm system. Uh, when they get away to that event, they, they see the ministry taking place. They see what our staff is doing, and they want to be a, a part of that and use that influence again, Chris, of, of the athlete and the coach uh, to make a difference. Can you talk about how times have changed? Has, have they changed as far as getting in touch with the athletes? Because, you know, Kids nowadays are completely different with social media. Can you talk about the influence of social media and how it's either made it easier or harder? And I'm, I'm glad you brought up a little earlier about how Zoom helped you guys connect and, and do some things and overcome some of the hardships of the pandemic. But I just know that nowadays they call them Gen Z. The kids today mm-hmm. are just a little bit different because they have so much uh, influence with social media and how that might be affecting you guys. Yeah, I think the social media, like you said, Chris, has been a uh, a benefit, but there there are, are dynamics that that is a hindrance. Some challenges, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, challenges there. Man, they're caught up in what's going on there. To get them to come to a Bible study can be a challenge because, man, they're so wrapped up in their, you know, how many likes they're getting, uh, mm-hmm. posted on Instagram and all of that. But, Chris, I'm going to tell you the biggest thing for the kid today. Uh, you know, back in the day, man, if Coach said it, you did it. Right. I mean, that was, you know, it was just you run through a wall, they do it. Hey, do this. Uh, man, that kid was going to do it. Today, uh, they're asking why. Yeah. Uh, you know, they'll quit the team. Yeah. Uh, so it's just a, a dynamic of, of, unfortunately, Chris, a lot of kids have been raised to be quitters. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why it has reset on the video games. No one wants to lose. So they hit reset, redo. And uh, kids just haven't experienced what it's like to fail. They haven't uh, experienced adversity and how to push through uh, adversity. Chris, I'm going to say social media has a challenge, but I think that really has impacted the dynamic of Gen Z. Uh, those kids, man, you know what? I got something else. I mean, I can get on the phone with my girl. I can, man, I can text my buddy. I can get on Instagram and I can be, uh, you know, an Instagram influencer. Star. Yeah. For, forget football. And yeah. um, so it, it doesn't, it doesn't mean as much to, to some of these kids, but then at the same time for some of these kids, it's all they got. Exactly. And, and, uh, you know, their identity is wrapped up in, in sport. And, oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's a tough transition, just like it is for a pro, pro athlete transitioning back into the, the real world. So you're trying to provide some balance for some of these kids, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they need it. Uh, the consistency of a ministry like FCA partnered with the consistency and influence uh, of our coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, it's just a winning combination. And we're seeing students' uh, lives truly impacted, changed. Uh, man, Chris, I could go on and on and tell you stories uh, about students who uh, most people have given up on, and they found purpose uh, in who they are in Christ and beyond the field, uh, but also using that platform uh, to give their very best for Christ on the field and not be ashamed, and they get to watch the impact on other lives as well. You got one? Is there one? I know you got several. Is there one good one that you could think of that, like, wow, that might touch some hearts? Man, I, and I'll go back to the the team that I was working with with a young man uh, attempted suicide. You never know, uh, as a coach, the impact 
that you have at that moment. You never know. But years later, when I look to the guys that were on that team, we have two guys who are pastors now. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them who has served with us as a character coach for the DeSoto boys basketball team. Uh, and now we have a young man who sat under his ministry, who's now serving as a character coach for us uh, at Cedar Hill High School. So just to see duplication, mm-hmm. uh, duplication of uh, in ministry. And some of these guys on that basketball team, Chris, uh, all they had was all they had was sport. Right. And somehow we were able to fight through that, use that as a tool, use that as an opportunity for them to rise out of their situation uh, and be successful. Uh, fathers, husbands, and then now they're jumped back in to pouring into people the same thing that was poured into them. Yes, it's really nice when you have some faith in your life. And and can you talk about some of the athletes and how the camps you got coming up uh, this summer and how they can get involved with those? For sure. You know, traditionally we've done uh, football and basketball camps. A lot of the kids that we're working with, uh, particularly in the South Dallas area, are not getting the opportunities to sharpen their skills uh, at a basketball camp and a football camp. And so we've provided that for the last several years. But then in the midst of COVID, uh, we we wanted to do a camp. But, Chris, we didn't want to invest more than 50% of our time trying to, to meet all the COVID protocol because then mm-hmm. our focus was off the kids. And so we came up with an idea uh, to do a, an inner-city golf camp. Uh, a lot of these kids, the first time they've picked up a golf club is – their freshman year at a Sunset High School, at a Carter High School, at a Kimball High School, and uh, just do some conversation with some golf pros. Um, man, they said we need to do this, the support of Dallas ISD. And so uh, in June, June 23rd, 24th, we are doing a golf camp at the Golf Club of Dallas, formerly known as the Oak Cliff Country Club. Yes, sir. Uh, Chris, I don't have to come on the air today to raise sponsorship because it's the easiest thing I've ever raised funds for. Wow. We have every kid sponsored. Uh, we have opportunity to dream and put some resources uh, in the hands of these students. Uh, man, just some people that have said, hey, we believe in what you're doing. Uh, they're going to come out, some of our, our sponsors, not just giving their money, but they're going to ride in the golf cart and play with the kids and be part of a nine-hole scramble. Uh, and at the same time, we're going to do a golf clinic uh, for these Dallas ISD coaches that are willing to coach golf mm-hmm. um, to serve the kids but may never have played it. Uh, may be very uh, – uh, they're beginners in coaching golf, and so we're going to put some tools in their toolbox to help them do what they do as well. Of course, uh, we'll come alongside with the dynamic of faith. Uh, every kid will get an FCA uh, athlete's Bible. Uh, we'll put some resources in their hand as well to help them with their sport. And uh, so, man, excited about it. This will be the first uh, that I know of of an inner-city golf camp uh, over in the Oak Cliff area, and we, we hope that it's something that – uh, man, really takes off, and we continue to do it for years to come. Have you got a date yet? Uh, June 23rd and 24th. Mm-hmm. Uh, if someone wants to go to our website, uh, it is fcasoutheast.org. Uh, registration will go live for that uh, on Monday. And, it, again, it's a free camp. Uh, anyone can come. It's for ages 7th grade, excuse me, grades 7th through 12th. And uh, we would just love for uh, – male or female, uh, to come out and be a part of that. They'll get a golf polo, FCA golf polo, uh, plus a bunch of other stuff as well. We'll feed them. Uh, man, we always like to feed them. Oh, right? yeah. We, we can, we you got to do that. We feed them. <laughs> and then we got to feed them some more. We got to feed the coaches, too. So, uh, man, it's all good. Chick-fil-A uh, is partnering with us on that as well. 
And so, man, it's, it's an easy sell. Uh, the vision is big, and so therefore we need partners uh, to help us fulfill that vision. And we know people love kids. They love sport. And, uh, man, benefit for us is they love FCA. You know what? Before we get out of here, we cannot let you – uh, Lee, without talking about the uh, golf tournament tomorrow again, this is a nice fundraiser. It's all taken care of, but I'm wondering, is it a coincidence that it's on Masters weekends the day after the Masters tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it is a coincidence because, uh, you know, we've had it the, the, the day after Easter, uh, and sometimes that doesn't, hasn't worked well with some of our pastors because they're recovering <laughs> from a big Easter Sunday. Right. And uh, a lot of times it just uh, falls on uh, – you know, it falls when it falls. Chris, I think historically it's been the second Monday uh, of, of April. Mm-hmm. Uh, occasionally it's been different. But, you know, we man, we have so many events going on, and sometimes it's been dependent upon our uh, our event in late February, early March. Um, so it's it, it's good to have an event in April uh, like that. That's when the weather really starts turning good as well. So Exactly. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, everybody showing up tomorrow and, and having a great time and a lot of – Money raised for a very worthy cause. Danny Noah with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Danny, we got to do it again. Chris, my pleasure. Appreciate you giving us the opportunity. For sure. And that's Danny Noah from the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I'm Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan. Thank you for joining me. Tune in next week as we focus on other organizations doing great things in our community right here on Better Living. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh.